cabrita siembra y brote unas semillas que sean de amor, de creatividad y de familia Con en profundas que levantan el mundo como el sol de un nuevo día That was Rico Pavón with Imagínate, and this is Aurora Levens Morales with Letters from Earth. I wrote this piece in February, in the midst of torrential winter rains, while camping in the Delta town of Isleton, California. Delta. I wake each morning to the barking of wild geese, gray and white, flying over the flooded fields. I am in the heart of the Sacramento River Delta, one of only two major river deltas in the world that are located this far from the sea. It's a vast tangle of waterways and islands, levees and bridges, a landscape that shifts constantly under the immense hand of water, from the sky, from the rivers that flow into this great marshy web, from the ocean pushing in through the Carquinas Straits, where thousands of years ago an inland sea broke free of the coastal hills and carved out San Francisco Bay. Water shapes the land, the economy, and many of the core political struggles of California. People have lived in and around this rich, marshy land for 4,000 years. Its islands are the mounded tops of deep deposits of peat that make extraordinarily fertile soil. The first people, Patwin of the Winton Cultural Group, ate salmon, sturgeon, mussels, and trout from these waters, deer, elk, antelope, and rabbits, berries, and acorns from the land, and ducks, geese, and other water birds that wing between water and air along the Pacific Flyway. As Spanish settlers began colonizing the land and forcing indigenous peoples into servitude at their missions, the delta, like swamps everywhere, became a refuge and a base for resistance. The invaders couldn't build missions on the shifting ground of the Delta, and a whole regiment of the Fremont expedition wandered there lost for days. But the native peoples of the Delta knew how to navigate their home, how to emerge, act, and disappear back into the marsh. By the early 19th century, though, European settlers had begun to drastically reshape the Delta. They dredged the swamp to create larger tracts of farmland, and built levees to hold back the water as the dredged land settled and sank below the river's level. Park Delta Bay Campground, where I am staying, is fully 15 feet lower than the water lapping at the levee. But water in California is never just water. Water is also wealth and power. Northern California rivers have been subsidizing ecologically untenable farming and dryland cities in central and southern California for a long time. And now the state, backed by big ag interests, wants to divert a whole lot more of it out of the rich river delta habitat through giant tunnels that would drain it away southward. As I drive through small delta towns, I see signs everywhere saying, Stop the tunnels. Restore the delta. According to the Restore the Delta campaign, the proposed water tunnels would create the largest single transfer of public wealth into private hands in the state's history. But on top of that, or rather under it, is the fact that our entire water economy is built on water that simply isn't there. Paper water exists only as promises of future water rights. As of 2009, 6,300 water rights holders were promised more than eight times the average annual flow of the watershed and three times more than the highest flow ever recorded. 
This paper water is used to put both crops and cities where they don't by any ecological measure belong. San Joaquin Valley growers have planted irrigated groves of water-guzzling almonds and pistachios, trusting in their political muscle to wring what they need from the overcommitted system even in drought years. When supply doesn't meet their unreasonable demand, they tap groundwater so that the water table in many parts of the valley has dropped dangerously low. Aquifers, underground lakes that hold the reserves that plant, animal, insect, and human life depend on, are collapsing in on themselves. If water returns, there will be nowhere for it to pool. The state's agricultural and industrial economy is built on the reckless gamble of spending water we don't have. Already half the flow necessary to maintain the Delta's ecological stability is diverted to large-scale unsustainable San Joaquin Valley farms. It's a practice rooted in the fantasy of infinite nature, in the fairy tale that if something is necessary in order to create profitable businesses, then it will be found. Endless oil, endless water, endless minerals and metals, and people who will work for almost nothing. The ecosystem of this beautiful state evolved to flourish in alternating cycles of drought and rain, of grass fires and forest fires, the dance of salt water and fresh, a web of delicate balances. But even the most flourishing ecosystem can't withstand prolonged over-extraction. For two hundred years, settlers have wrung wealth from this land by ignoring those balances, by treating its snowpacks and rivers, lakes and estuaries, the fertile soil of its great valleys and of this beautiful delta, as bottomless bank accounts, unlimited lines of credit. I have been combing archives trying to find an account I once read by a white woman, a so-called pioneer, who crossed the Sierra Nevada into central California in the late 1800s. In her diary she recorded her first breathtaking encounter with vast flowering meadows full of wild blossoms she didn't know great flocks of birds overhead, solitary herons standing by the edges of streams, an endless skittering of small mammals in the brush. The meadows she walked across in wonder have long since been plowed and irrigated and become encrusted with salts and pesticides, their water tables dropped below the reach of even the longest roots. The land is drying up and in many places has been poisoned. Big Ag like all profit-driven industries, is bent on extracting as much as possible before the land crashes, and then moving on. Small farmers cultivating dry land are caught in a marketplace not of their making. They could begin transitioning to more sustainable practices, to dry-farmed nuts, fruits, and vegetables, and a handful have done so. But where is the money and technical support to help the majority of them make the shift? How do they weather such a massive change when each year's crop has to pay the bills? So alongside Big Ag, they continue to demand more water, and the water being offered to them is from the Delta, where half a million acres of small farms and fisheries now face destruction. The fact is, California can't continue to be farmed as densely and intensively as it has been. The ecosystem wasn't made to support this volume of farms or cities. The Delta water tunnels are a last gasp bid to extend the doomed experiment of the factory farm in the sprawling desert city a few more years by sucking the life from ancient irreplaceable waterways. The unexpected gift of a record-breaking wet winter has brought the Sacramento River close to the tops of the levees. Broken branches swirl in the brown water. 
The fields turn an Irish green, and flowers burst into early bloom. But it's a temporary flood, a moment of grace. It may fill reservoirs, but it can't validate the counterfeit currency of infinite water rights. As they have done for tens of thousands of years, the snow geese rise up with their hoarse cries in a cloud of white and black wings, out of the marsh and into the sky. As they wing along their roads of wind, they cross the length of what we have made of this place. I see their reflection in the swollen water, and wonder, a hundred years from now, will they alight in a restored landscape in which all humans have at last learned to live in community with the natural world? Or will they have changed course, to avoid a waterless waste dotted with the ruins of our abandoned cities? It's up to us. Yeah,